Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. So if I start the lyric and I go, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. What happens? What's the next line? Into the future, right? See, here's the thing. I, I, I do at times, I, I have issues with time management. Anybody in the house like that? Hey, when you got an extreme extrovert on your hands, time can get away from you really quick in one single conversation, man. Don't take long. And, and I, as I was preparing for this, I, rem- I was reminded of a scene of how many of you guys read the, the Hobbit books or have seen the movies and, and, and you know, J.R.R. Tolkien and all that stuff. There's a scene in, in, in The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey, where uh, Bilbo, the main character, this unassuming hero, is find, finds himself in a cavern underneath a mountain, and he can't find his way out. And his, his, he, he's, he's stumbled on this, this creature, this, this guy named Gollum. And Gollum loves this little thing called the ring, which, ha, which Bilbo has found. But Gollum doesn't know that, right? And Bilbo needs a way out of the cavern, out of the cave underneath the mountain. And he doesn't know how to get out, but Gollum knows. And so he challenges him to a riddle duel. You guys remember that? And they, they, they fire riddles at one another, and, and Gollum throws one at, at Bilbo. And it goes like this. This thing all things devours, birds, beasts, trees, and flowers, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal, slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. Now the challenge for for Bilbo for this is this, if he wins the riddle duel, Gollum leads him out, (laughs) If he loses the riddle duel, Gollum eats him. And so he's got to make good on this moment right here, right now with that riddle. Does anybody know what the answer to the riddle is? Anybody? Time. That's exactly right. Time. All things devour time. But at the same time, it gnaws iron. It bites steel. It grinds hard stones to meal. It slays the king. The king can't beat time. The town can't beat time. The mountain can't beat time. Time keeps on slipping into the future and is wearing everything else down. And probably my guess is, if you're like me, it's probably wearing you down too. See, I I think all of us find ourselves wasting it. Probably frequently, right? Anybody do that? And I, I, here's one. I think another thing I know. We never have enough of it. How many of you feel like you have all the time you need? Anybody in here feel like you got, I got all the time I need? It's all good, right? No, no. Here's another thing I know about it. We can't make more of it. All of us get 24 hours in one day. All of us get seven days a week. All of us get 365 days a year. We can't create, we can't generate more of it. We can lose money and generate more of it. Huh? We, we can generate offspring. Huh? You don't like the one you have? Make another one. You know what I mean? Time, time's the one thing you can't get back, right? I mean, once it's gone, it's gone. 
And, and I, I've been asking some questions, and I want to I reiterate them again this week. Uh, uh, what if you had more margin in your finances? Just think about that for a minute. What, what would life look like? What, what if? What would you do with it? What if you had more space to give you more opportunity to use the gifts God's given you? What if? What if you could really feel like you're, you're doing something different? What if you had an emotional or mental reserve so you could gladly step into what God wants without unnecessary stress? And check this out. And without taxing your, uh, your, your existing relationships. What would that look like? So let me, let me go all down to this question. What if you had more margin in your schedule? That's simple. What, what, what if you had that? Right now, you need to think about, like, what, what, what would I do? Because here's, here's the idea I want to convey to you this morning. To thrive in life, you must plan your time so God's, has time to thrive, God's plan has time to thrive in your life. Let's say it one more time. You with me? To thrive in life, you, ha- you must plan your time so God's plan has time to thrive in your life. Some of us, we feel like we're surviving Merely surviving, and the reason we are is because time keeps getting away from us. We're not managing it well. We are stressed. We argue with the significant people in our lives because there's not enough time. You know, three days ago, I asked you, and it didn't happen, and blah, and then all of a sudden, you're like, ah, right? And then, then you find moments where you, you, you should have taken advantage of a moment to do something fun or significant, and it just got away. You had a chance. You, you should have maybe took a chance with a neighbor, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I didn't. I really, I, I, but I had to get to grass mode. I could have went fishing with my kids, but instead I chose to work on the car. What, what, what would it look like if you, if you had time? God, our, our theme for this message series, Survive or Thrive, Living with Margin, has been these words. Everybody, hey, y'all stand with me. Huh? We're gonna, are, those, are those words on there, Acts 17? Are they on, is there a slide on there? Can you put them up on the screen? We're going to read these together because there's something about acting upon the Word of God. Are you with me? Hearing it, saying it, and, and, and letting it just bleed into everything that we are. So we're going to read these words together, and actually I'm going to step back and, and let you guys read. So let's read together, Acts 17, 26. Are you ready? One, two, three, you're on. There, there's some references in that, in that piece of scripture, that, that are words like this, when, he decided beforehand, when. It talks about boundaries. It talks about God's purpose. And it talks about this idea, that we find our life not in living the life that we want to live. We find life in living our life in him. It's in him that we live, we find real life. It's in him that we move, that we find momentum and traction forward. It's in him that we find our reason for existence. And if we find any, if we look any other place, we will come up empty, we will come up frazzled, we will come up frustrated. And here's the idea. Even with our time, we have to find him in our time. We have to make time. The word margin there, I've been throwing some, some definitions. The word margin, the one I want to concentrate on is the second one. It says this, an amount allowed or available beyond, beyond what is actually necessary. How many of you have felt lately you have more time than you need? Not a hand in the room. Go figure. Right? Because here's what I think we happen. There's a badge of honor that we wear as Americans, and it's called, this is how busy I am, ma'am. I'm sorry I don't have time for you. I got all of this going on. Isn't it true? And if somebody starts talking about everything they got going on, you're sitting around a table with some friends, and then all of a sudden another person says, well, you know what I had to do? And the next thing you know, but everybody's on. 
Am I right? Huh? Well, this is my list. That's what I got going on. You know, I had that going on. You know, and our kids and that thing, and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, we've just gone 100 miles an hour. Wah! Spinning the wheels as we go, right? Burning them out. Here's the idea. To thrive in life, you must plan your time so God's plan has time to thrive in your life. Now, for uh, like, a, like a text for today's message, that was just the intro. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 read like this. Look carefully then how you walk. The word walk there means the course of life, how you normally live, the routine, the journey that you're on. That's what that word means. It's not just really like walking today like across the, 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 the platform here down the highway. It's talking about the course of your life. You get that? Okay. Look, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. God's inferring something. You can be absolutely foolish with the way you walk through life. He's asking you to make a choice. This is not something that happens to you. This is something that you choose. Are you with me? Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now listen to the next one. The next phrase is powerful. Making the best Use of the time. Because the days are evil. Woo-hoo. Here's something I, I, I just jerk out of that piece of scripture. Number one, God, the last two pieces we've, we've read. God created, rules over, and lives outside of time. Back in Genesis, God created times and seasons. He created, uh, uh, the, the scriptures say, the moon at night and the sun in the day to create an idea of how time ought to function, how you could know when certain things would go on, and for times and seasons on the earth. And he, he created it. Time, God is not, I'll say this, God's not bound by it. And here's one other thing I, I found out, that if, if time is wisely managed, then you're probably thriving, your life is probably what it ought to be. You probably aren't frazzled or frustrated. You probably have things going probably pretty much the way you want them to, and you're able to do the things that, that you should do, the things you want to do, and don't feel like you're constantly trying to, ch- ch- to chase the hamster wheel. But if you're mismanaging time, chances are you're probably merely surviving. Every day is a challenge to overcome. Every moment is like, okay, what am I going to do next? Oh, my gosh. And you, you got six, 16 things on your list you're trying to get done. And in and, and, and any given day, the list is longer than it was when you started, even though you got things done. Anybody ever been there? There's a way God wants it. See, here's the idea of the gospel. The gospel isn't just spiritual content. I'm deviating. Did you notice? That means you can take off your watch. There, there, there's, there, God, the gospel is not just a merely spiritual idea of something we do to, and contemplate when, when, we're in, when we're having existential moments like Sunday morning or like what Nancy Red's family has gone through right now, the idea of what's going on with life and death. It is to radically change our, our actual existence. That's why it says that it's in God we live and move and have our being. See, if I don't let God have my time, I'm not really following Christ, if I still rule my time, if I'm the king of my time, I got I gotta get some me time. It's me time. Oh, I think I've, I heard some giggling confessions there, huh? Didn't know it was didn't know it was confession, you know, but it was. Huh? That's me, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
I mean, every, you know, it's me. If, if it's your time, you're not in submission to Jesus. Oh, I just rocked the boat, didn't I? Did you, did, you guys, did you guys see the earthquake on Sunday or the other night? Did you see that video of that in-ground swimming pool? Huh? Did you see it? It was an in-ground pool. It was going like this. It was like somebody was taking both sides of it and going like that. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know what just happened to some of you right now? You, you're in that swimming pool. Huh? Because you're like, no, it is my time. No, it's not. God gave you life. And he set boundaries. And he has made certain determinations before you arrived in this moment or, in fact, in any other moment, right? And he's like, listen, I, I want you to find life. And the way you find life is choosing me above what you want. That's free. That wasn't even in the notes. So in light of that, Jesus tells a parable. Matthew 24. I'm going to hurt somebody or something. Matthew 24 Jesus has been asked a question is really relevant because Paul says these ideas. You should redeem the time, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Matthew 24, in context, his, his disciples come to him and ask him, what's it going to be like at the end of time? And Jesus begins to describe certain things as you tr- transgress through Matthew 24. And then you end up Matthew 24, uh, 45, and Jesus tells a story to get a point across. In light of the fact we don't have much time left, that's the idea of the context of this thing. Are you hearing me? In light of that, I'm going to read from the ESV, the English Standard Version, because I like how it reads a little better. It reads like this, the words are on the screen. Who then is the faithful, it's these words, who then is the faithful and wise servant, just like Paul used the word wise, Jesus uses the word wise, whom his master has set over his household, now listen to this next line, to give them their food, Next line, at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing, another time reference, when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, let me give you a translation of that. I think I know better than God about how time ought to be used. I'm going to do my thing right now because I think God's wasting my time. Are you with me? And begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come, now another time reference, on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour, another time reference, he does not know. Now what's the next line? And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, thank you, Jesus, for the positive message. When you go to Bible college, they tell you never to end a sermon like that. Don't leave. They, 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 tell you, they say something like this. Don't leave them in hell. You can walk them through it, but don't leave them there. And Jesus just kind of quits the story right there. You know what I mean? Like, boom. Just stop and think about that for a minute. But I want, I, there's some things about time that are in there. Number one, I see this. God has a time plan. God has a plan for time. He has a plan for your time. He has a plan for my time. He wants us to be faithful and wise servants. And so he's saying, listen, I want you to do things when I want to do it. Listen to this. I say this. His plan for your time is this, service to other people. Translation, it ain't about you. Your time ain't about you. 
How do you know that? Because he says he sends them over his household that they would be given their food, their sustenance at the proper time. If you're a part of the body of Christ, he's talking about the family of God and the people God intends to save in this planet. And he's saying, listen, I want you to use your time for one reason, that people get the sustenance of the word of God. Jesus responds in the temptation in the wilderness, these words. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when Jesus is saying these words, he's saying this. My plan for your time is this. The other people get dished my word. They see it being lived out. They hear it being spoken. They hear it being prayed over their lives. They understand by a life application that I love them and I have better for them. And I need you to spend your time, your prioritize your time that that might happen. Do you catch that? I also see this. A very parallel piece of scripture is found in Colossians 4, 5, as is in Ephesians 5, 15. He says this. Paul says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Again, it's not about you. You should live wisely because you realize people are around you who need a closer connection to God. Do you catch that? And make the most of every opportunity. Don't let them slide by. Don't live so frazzled and so haphazard and so crazy that you don't have time to stop and help somebody else out. You don't have time to stop and pray. You don't have time to stop and and give a word of encouragement. You don't have time to stop and actually serve someone. You don't have time to to do that. He wants you to live wisely. And I I find this in that parable in in Matthew 24, that God decides right timing. We don't. We don't get to decide when the right time is. You know, God, God sometimes wants to interrupt our schedule. I'll give you a great example. I had kind of a crazy day. I am an extreme extrovert, but because I'm an extreme extrovert, there are times I have to slot out that I can get things done. And I need to guard them, or, I won't, or I'll be behind schedule. So I spent my morning meeting with some people. And, and, and I, I got done. I went home, did a couple of my to-do list things done for ministry from, from, from at home. And then I thought, I'm going to go someplace else. I'm going to get something else done. And so I, I wander in this place. And then I run into a guy, and he begins to ask me to pray for his brother who's away from the Lord. We begin to talk about God's plan for his life and how he wants me to pray for him. And next thing I know, the whole afternoon was gone. And if I would have said, I don't have, you know, thanks a lot, bro. Appreciate it. I don't have time. And honestly, in a practical sense, I didn't. But God had better plans. And I get to pray with him, and tears are streaming down his face as we pray at the end of our conversation for a little over an hour. And it was beautiful. And I could have got something done, but I would have missed the opportunity. And you know what? It's Sunday. That was Friday, and I still haven't got to the things I wish I could have got to on Friday. I even tried a little bit this morning, and it didn't happen. Sometimes he decides the right timing. Some of you have been, are frustrated and tired, and you're bitter towards God because you thought you knew better about when things should happen. And then you know what's happened because of that? Because you've grown frustrated and tired and, and, and wore out, everything's a big deal. And which brings me to the next point. Misused time hurts others. Did you catch that in there? When he says, my, serve, my, 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 my master is delayed, he begins to beat other people 
and he goes and hangs out with people who are not taking him closer to his purpose. He goes and hangs out with people who are taking him further away from his purpose. Do you get that? And so when you start getting frustrated and tired, and you don't think God, you don't think God knows what he's doing, guess what's happening? You, you, you're beginning, you're probably having arguments over how you're spending your time. And probably you're having arguments about how you're spending your money. And you're probably frustrated with your kids. And you can't get everything into a day. So the more you keep trying to get done, the more frustrated you become. And the people around you are suffering because you, you can't manage it well. The frustration comes out. And here's the other part. If you don't let God determine a sense of timing, then guys like the guy on Friday doesn't have an opportunity to be encouraged in his faith, and so they're being hurt by that even though you haven't thrown a stone at them. Do you get that? Here's another thing I see in this piece of Scripture. Mismanaged time catches up with us. And then the next line I don't want to say, but it's true because Jesus said it, it brings judgment to us. Oh, feel the challenge of that. Miss, so here's, here's the point of all that parable. You've got to let God win the margin battle with your time because it's wise and it's how you thrive. Are you hearing me? You, you've got to let him win it. You've got to let God be the, the focal point of your time. Like, it's got to be from the, the moment you, you get up in the morning. It's got to be while you're tra- moving through. Paul says words like this. He challenges us. Check about this, how you use your time. He challenges us to pray without ceasing. Do you get the gravity of that? And if I'm so captivated with everything else I have to get done that I forget to do that one thing, I'm probably not being a very good spouse. And I'm probably not being a very good dad. And I'm, I'm Lord, I don't even have time to be a friend at that point. And I, and I don't have time to, to, to really make conscious decisions and ask God before I do something, what is your plan here? What is your heart? And re- reassess not just God speaking to me like in a time of prayer, but re- analyzing what I already know about his character and his heart and his word and going, oh, that's what you want me to do. Because sometimes we're making decisions about our lives and about the lives of others, you know what we don't do? We don't first go, well, God said. We're not even taking time to do that. I had a conversation a few weeks ago with someone, and they were about to make a life decision, and I said, have you even stopped to pray about this? No. Might be, might be a good idea, maybe. Right? Huh. And, you know, and, I'll say this, they weren't some non-believer either. And I'm like, what? Time out. You've, one day, listen to this, we are all going to stand before Jesus. And his, 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 his request of us is basically this, show me what you did with what I gave you. Can I say, can I say something to you? The two most valuable things he gave you had nothing to do with money and possessions. One of the two most valuable things he gave you was time and people. And if you don't make time, you won't have people. <sighs> hey, you're going to stand in front of Jesus like, what did you do with the time I gave you? And that's, a, that, that's believer and non-believer alike. We will all stand before him. And the scriptures say, as non-believers, we'll stand before the white throne judgment of God, and he will determine our eternal fate, which won't be good if we're standing in front of that throne. It's kind of already determined by the time we get there. 
If, we pass, if, we, if our name is found written in the book of life, we will then sit, stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says. And we'll have to give an account for how we used our time, how we related to the people in our lives, how we used the gifts God had given us, the resources he put in our hands. How do we do that? And he'll either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he will not. Now, the grace of Jesus in that moment will still cover you where your eternity is concerned. But can you imagine having Jesus giving all so you could be alive and be in the kingdom? And you go, he goes, so what would you do with what I gave you? You go, I watched Netflix and saw every season of Stranger Things. I watched every episode. I spent 85 hours a week on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I watched as much Sports Center as I could get. Huh? I love cable news. Spent hours watching everything. I frustrated and complained about everything the government was doing for hours on end. That's what I do with the time you gave me, Jesus. Huh? I had an awesome, I had a great yard, Jesus. My yard looked awesome. You get, get where I'm going here? And none of those things by themselves are bad deals. Are you with me? But unprioritized correctly, with Jesus being the king, suddenly things got away. You, you wouldn't believe the size of that bass I caught. Huh? I became the best hunter in North America. And I got the rack hanging on the wall to prove it. Jesus, you won't believe the deal I found on the clearance rack. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was five for five. And it sounds funny, but it's real, right? I mean, that, that, that's where we live. We have to let God win the margin with our time. That is wise in how we thrive. So, so how do you do that? How do you let God win the margin battle for your time? So I'm going to give you three real quick points to kind of get you started on the journey. This won't be an end of itself. This is not exhaustive, but it's a, it's a launching point. Are you with me? Number one, realize you need purpose for every segment and activity in life. One of the worst things you can do is go off without purpose. Can I, can I tell a story for a minute without naming any names, except for maybe my wife? So uh, several years ago, several years ago, my wife and a few ladies from the church just started hanging out together. Several, several years ago. And the first, the first few gatherings were kind of cool and kind of good, and, and they had fun, and they hung out, and it was, it was all right. They stopped having purpose behind that, why they were getting together. And then she'd come home and tell me what the conversation was like. I wasn't a pastor yet either, so it's just been, been a while. Okay, been a while. And, and it started going off into Weirdsville, and, and, and I'm like, babe, that's, that's a bad, even Christian people hanging out together, minus purpose, end up in bad places. Several of those ladies right now who were a part of that have lost their marriage. Families have been a wreck. 
and, and the warning signs were, we're just doing whatever we want to do. You have to. I read this in my message two weeks ago, and I will say this. If you listen to that message, you should. And if you, if you weren't here last week, you need to listen to Ryan Van Arslan's message, man. He, he's our missionary to the Dominican Republic, and it wasn't a mission report. It was like, here, let me hit you in the mouth with the word of God and love you all at the same time and challenge you to be what God wants you to be. It was sweet, man. And it was a great interruption because I had a plan. I had a plan to have this message last week, and God said, nope, it's Ryan's day. And I had to step away. And now you guys get this today. Well, you're welcome. I ended two weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 9, 26, and I read these words as a closing piece of scripture, a, a, a piece of a patent. This is a piece of a patent. Paul writes these words. So I run with purpose in every step. Do you catch Paul's challenge to us there? I run with purpose in every step. Everywhere you see steps or the word walk in Scripture almost always means not actually walking, but the pathway of life. Do you get that? And so Paul's like, I'm not taking anything for granted. Every moment of my life, I'm giving back to Jesus. Every moment of my life, I'm saying, what, God, do you want to do in this moment, in this segment, in this time? What, are you, what do you want from me? You mean I should ask him which route I should take to work? Yeah, Probably. For real? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think you should be at least connected enough to him that if he says it's time for a change, you can go, oh, okay, I'll go this way today. Well, I brought, I brought my lunch today, Jesus. I said go eat lunch at the restaurant. My sister one day packed her, her, her lunch. She was going through a really bad emotional time. She, was, she packed her lunch to go to work, and guess what, guess what he did? She... she, she about halfway through the morning, she, she felt this nudge. You should go home today for lunch. And she's like, uh, I brought my lunch. I said, you should go home today for lunch. But God, I brought my, I brought my, I brought my, I said, you should go home today for lunch. And she was in such a bad emotional state. She'd been prescribed some medicine and some stuff like that to help get her over a hump. And she, she drove home that day. She got out of the car in front of her house. She said, Aaron, it was like I stepped over out of the car. And it, she said it was like he, he wasn't really there, but he was. It was like Jesus was standing there. And I walked into the house, and I just began to cry, and I began to weep. And I, and I worshiped Jesus. And after about a half hour, he said, I'm done with you now. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. He goes, some medical professionals might, might wince at this, but when Jesus says so, you listen to him. I'm just going to say this. He goes, you don't need those meds anymore. I haven't been back on them since. Because she let Jesus determine the next step. She ran with purpose in that step, listening to him. Do you get that? Understand this. God has a plan and a schedule. He's trying to work for you. This is my life verse. The Bible says, the steps of the godly are ordered of the Lord. He delights in the details of their life. See, you get frustrated with the details. He delights in them. So my challenge to you is this. Give him the details. I get bogged down with the details. Anybody who knows me knows that. I'm trying to learn to let God have them. I'm trying to learn to let him order the steps. Here's the idea of a step. I pick it up, and then he, once it's in the air, he goes, yeah, that way. Do you get that? 
Okay, God, it's uh, okay that way. Go straight ahead, Aaron. You have to, you have to let him do that. Number three, acknowledge him with each activity. And he'll direct the list to ensure you arrive where you should arrive. This is found in a book of Proverbs that says this. Seek his will in all you do. Look at your neighbor and say, seek his will in all you do. Because he will show you the right path to take. You should tell them that. Because here's the idea. To thrive in life, you must plan your time so God's plan has time to thrive in your life. Did you get me? I think today many of us should, 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 confess, should confess this and get this on the altar. My to-do list is not a badge of honor. My busyness is not a badge of honor. I might be trying to avoid things. I might be trying to steer away from things God's trying to, to steer me into. <laughs> I, I might be, and, 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 and confess like, dude, I have done that. I have done that. I've been in those conversations where everybody's trying to one-up each other how busy they are. Huh? I've done it. Amen. Hallelujah. Confucius 5, 16, 15, 16 says, Look carefully in how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. So here's the idea. You only have one life. You've got to squeeze in what God says to squeeze in. And if you don't, you'll be frustrated. I want you to watch a piece of video really quick that kind of conveys that in a very concise way and way I can't. This is your life. Looks pretty full, doesn't it? That's because it is. It's full of all the things you'd be incomplete without. Love, family, food, water, health, your parents, your passions. With all of these things, you could have nothing else and still lead a full life. But even with all of this, you'll still have some space to fit more things. Smaller things. This is your job, your car, your house, money, things that are still important, but if you took them all away, your life would still be full. If you're watching this video, that means you're lucky enough to have at least some of these things. But if you're really lucky, and many of us are, you'll still have some space left over. These are the really small things, watching a movie, playing a video game, sports, ice cream. Things that make your life that little bit nicer, but things that are really just trivial in the end. If you wanted, you could try to put these things first. Wasting your time in front of the television, or the computer, playing games, or whatever it might be. You could follow it up with the material things. Money, cars, houses, clothes. But then when it comes time to try to fit in all the important things, you run out of space. Some things will have to be left out. And nobody wants that. Oh, and one more thing to remember. No matter how full your life may seem, there's always room for a few cups of coffee with a good friend. You had to know I'd throw a coffee reference in, right? I put 12 huge rocks in this container. There are some larger rocks in there, and there's some pea gravel in there. See, the big rocks represent the things that really matter. 
In order to squeeze the whole thing in, you've got to prioritize the really big things, the things that really matter. And most of the things that really matter don't cost you money, they cost you time. And if you don't get those in first, you can't get everything else in. And then that's why you're frustrated. Because you know you should have done whatever, fill in the blank, and you squeeze so many other things in first. When it came time to shoving the big rocks in, there was no space for the big rocks. And now you and your spouse are arguing all the time, and you and your kids can't get on the same page, and you and your coworkers are frustrated because the boss keeps trying to throw more at you, and you don't have time to figure out, and you all of a sudden everything's, and you, you're trying to make more of what you can't make more of. Dude, about a year ago, Mike Olajar sat here. One of our missionaries we support, he challenged us about the number of weeks we have with our kids before they go off to college. 936 weeks you get with your child. If you don't prioritize that big rock, these get away really fast. If if, if I'm not careful, my marriage gets away from me, and I don't even realize it got away, but I was busy, and I was doing stuff, and I felt productive, and everything was good. I thought until one morning. And other things aren't bad, but God intended for you to look like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? He forsook everything so that the main thing could be accomplished. So I want you right now to kind of, if you've got, you got your app open, get the connection card open. If you don't have the app, get a card out right there. And I want you and Jesus to have a conscientious conversation. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Here's, why, here's how you get God's plan to work in your life. Number one, you've got to rethink. See, probably the idea, the problem you're having right now is how you think about life. And the challenge about your busyness and whether it's a badge of honor, you got, some of you probably got mad at me because you're like, It is. I'm going to be productive. Well, maybe. Maybe you're missing the point altogether. Write down your schedule, your to-do list. Examine it. Because here's the idea. You're floating through, and life isn't being what it's supposed to be, and you know it, and if you don't rethink it, it's not ever going to be what it should be or what God saw it being. Once you rethink it, you got to realign And that means letting God set new margins. What do those look like? Once you realign, you let God set the margins, you actually have to carry them out. That means you readjust how life's being lived. Do you get the progression? I I look. By the way, there's another R-E word I could put here in the front of this right now. This is called a cycle of repentance. I examine my life. I see what God has to say about it. Then I change my life according to what God says. That's the cycle of repentance. And then what happens after that? I really live. Jesus says, it's in me that you live. It's in me that you have find momentum for your life. It's in me that, that, that you, you find your significance for existing. So right now, I'm going to ask Jade maybe to come up here if he's not assessing himself. Look at your schedule, and I want you to ask this question. Think about some, some things you're doing this week that are kind of taking presence. That even this morning, as you got up to come to church, you're like, I got to get this done this week. And I want you to ask this question What is the purpose of that step? And if you can't locate the God purpose in it, you might want to think about what priority it has in your life this week. I want you to ask this question 
What is God's plan for my life? And does this step help me move closer or further away from Him? Does it help me? I want you to ask this question. What's one thing you can do with your schedule this week? Just one thing. I'm asking to revolutionize the whole thing in one big fell swoop. I should, what one thing can you do this week with your schedule to give space to take a step of purpose and be in closer contact with God and with other people? Some of you, it might be as simple as actually having a dinner around the table this week. Do you know if you have more, more meals around the table? at your house, then you don't have meals around the table at your house, you decrease your kids' chance of doing drugs 50% just by that one thing alone. I mean, think about the gravity of that. I'm not talking about something super spiritual all of a sudden. I'm thinking about just having dinner around the table. And I want you to ask a real heart question. Okay, a real, real heart question. Is your desire to be faithful or just busy? Because I think sometimes we're busy and we're not really being faithful. You know why I think that? I think because the Bible says in, in, in Daniel, it's talking about the idea of a person who would represent the Antichrist. His his job, he, he would seek to wear out the saints of God. That's what it says in the book of Daniel. And if I took a poll before we started preaching, I asked, how many of you, how many of you are wore out this morning or have felt wore out this week? I bet, you, I bet you almost every hand in the building would go up, right? Huh? Burning a candle at both ends. Let's pray. I want you to do. I want you to answer one that question, and I want you to put it on that connection card. I want you to answer one of those questions. This week, I'm going to do this one thing differently. I'm going to make space here. This thing doesn't fit into God's plan for my life. I need wisdom on how to rectify that. I'm confessing right now. I just like being busy. I haven't really thought about how faithful I'm being to what God called me to be. Answer those kinds of questions right now. See, because in this moment here, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we go from having a church service to becoming the church right now. Because if I do these things, and this is the hard work, the fun part's laughing while Aaron makes something, does something stupid, clapping during sir, during the worship song, or dancing, or shouting, or or, or you know enjoying you know the the, the testimony that, that, that Lisa gave about how you can present. That's, but the real thing is, some of you felt a nudge about maybe helping with Epiphany, and your first thought was, I don't have time. And maybe the Holy Spirit was like, I need you to have time, and so now you listen to Aaron and like now make time, right? When I said something about serve day or the soaking service, your heart went, yes, but oh, no, I can't. No, no. And now, right now, God's going like, no, you can. If you let me, let me rule and reign over it. Yeah, I can. You can. I, I, can I be really honest with you? 
I have zero desire of just merely having a church service. And I'm going to say this as loud as I can say. If the highlight of your week is sitting here right now, you probably aren't living the life Jesus called you to live. Because Jesus intends to change the world through your life. And it begins because you take what you hear or listen when you're in gatherings like this or gatherings in a small group, and it affects what's going on out there. I have, you may think that's weird as a pastor to say that, but I'm just being completely honest. I have zero desire just to merely have church. And I don't even think that's biblical. We had church Sunday. No, that, you, the Bible, you don't have church. You are the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. Jesus' idea of the church is a group of people who are doing the business of the kingdom, not a place you show up on a Sunday morning. And I've been trying to get that across, but it frustrates me when I hear things like that. Can't wait to get to church on Sunday. Well, I, I kind of like being with you guys all too, but the, the point of my life isn't to show up at church on Sunday. The point of my life is to replicate the life of Jesus in the world around me. That's the point of my life. Are you hearing me? As much as I enjoy the worship, and I love to hear Jay play that guitar and make it funky, and as much as I like to hear Chuck banging on those drums and Ashley singing and Derek pouring out his heart and Lisa talking about a pity, I love that, but that's not the point of my week right now. The point of my week is when I walk out of here, how is the world around me going to change because Jesus is in my life? Do you get that? If you don't know Jesus right now, listen to me, or if you're away from Jesus, can I tell you right there, this time has been allotted right now for you to hear the scripture and hear the heart of God. And right now he's saying these words, just come back. I got plans for your time. I've got plans for your life. I got plans for you you haven't even thought of yet. And I want you in my family. And I know you've done things that are awful and bad, but my grace is this to you. I got that covered, and I'm willing to forgive you. Just embrace who I am, and let's walk ahead together. Can you do that? That's what he's saying right now. So some of you, that's the first step. Like, I got to just get back to Jesus. I got to get to him first. Can I I do that first? Yep, that'd be a great, let let me say this. That would be a great use of this time. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.